How are you going? Good, thank you, Phil. Right. Yeah, um, lovely weekend and uh, lots of sunshine. A little yes, bit cloudy yes. yesterday. But, but what about uh, today, Phil? Oh, it's tremendous. T- today's it's gorgeous. It's a great day to be out in the garden, <laughs> in the sunshine. In the sunshine. A little bit of rain at my place last night, which was so good. So I heard, but yeah, I can't not very much that. of it about. <laughs> but uh, the uh, the sound of rain falling on the roof was uh, was fairly welcome because uh, things were starting to look a little dry. Yes. But, um, well, it's just that I keep saying, I mean, even though it is winter, people think they need to stop watering. But actually, in fact, when we get dry seasons like we're getting at the moment, we still need to keep everything moist. And I mean, it still dries out during these warmer days. It does. And particularly the pots at my yes. place, too, which yep. I mentioned last week, yep. I think. Yeah. So we really need to keep on the case of the pots with the watering there. 49216216 is the number if you'd like to join us here on 2NURFM Gardening Talkback. David Peterson from Walls End Community Nursery here to answer all of those tricky questions. Also, of course, David, if anybody wants to give us um, any tips that yep. they find works for love them. Love tips. And we also love to hear you Good. skyping yep. about sure, what's yeah. happening in your garden too. So uh, lots of things you can do there. 49216216. And, uh, of course, everybody who rings up goes in the draw for 2NURFM's Gardening Walkback, where one person each month comes around to your place. And uh, not comes around to your place. You're already at your place. <laughs> David comes around to your place and uh, helps you out, has a look around your garden and checks out what's going on, gives you some advice right then and there on the spot, which, of course, is the best place for it. Yes. Um, but radio is the next best thing where David can talk to you about that. Okay, David, um, somebody today is going to pick up these wonderful things mm-hmm. you've brought along. Yes. People can check it out by looking at um, the webcam here uh, on our website. Just go to 2NURFM.com and you'll be able to find it quite easily. Because it's quite a spectacular plant to look at, David. It is, and it's, it's a great plant for winter. As you, I, I heard you say in previous times that they like the cold. They love the cold weather. Tell, tell us all about it. <laughs> and of course, we're talking about the cyclamen, which of course we see from now on right through into the very, very cold winter months. Because they do, they actually love the winter cold weather. More so than any other indoor plant that you'll actually ever have inside because they, we often say if you've got heating on in the room when you've got a cyclamen, just pop it outside during that time when you've got the heating on because they will appreciate the really, really cold weather. The one that I've got in here today is actually a pink variety, but of course you can get them in many colours these days from red, white, pink and all those other in-between shades. So remembering they just love the cold weather and in actual fact most of the times when you finish with your cyclamen inside, you can plant it out in the garden as well in just a nice good shady spot and it should continue to grow and flower for you practically all the way through the year so it's the cyclamen i'm giving away today as well as that i'm giving away uh, a, a bottle of the harvest that's the 500 mil harvest remembering this is the um, the organic harvest which you can use on everything including your pots and your garden and even the lawn if you're very courageous in doing that as well a bottle of a container of the sea organic once again this is an organic fertilizer now this is a complete fertilizer so you, you mostly use this on your pots and your garden. I've got some other sachets in that bag as well. But not only that, I'm giving away a garden apron. This is new to what I've been oh. giving away before. So it's an apron, but it's actually a carry apron. You can actually fold it up and carry all your scraps in it and then let it out into the garbage. So it's a good handy little apron. So what that's a great good. idea. It is a great idea, yeah. yes. Uh, so that's going to one of our lucky callers, of course, right at the end of the program. That is Part of what you have to do, <laughs> I was going to say, part of the trick, but there are no tricks. What you have to do is be listening at the end of the program. And uh, David may just pick your name from amongst today's list of callers. Well, David, shall we get stuck I'm into it? I'm ready to go, Phil. Is that the cyclamen I can smell? Does, does the cyclamen have a Or is it perfume? me? I think it might, might be your cologne, David. <laughs> yep. It's certainly not me, I can tell you that. Okay. <laughs> Lorraine from Bellbird is on the line now. Hello, Lorraine. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. Beautiful day. It's glorious, yes. Yes. Um, David, I've got a lovely passion fruit vine. Yes. It's been in about 12 months. Beautiful vine. Heaps and heaps of lovely fruit, but they're dropping off. Okay. Great big green passion fruits are just dropping off. 
Actually, I've had a lot of this this year, unfortunately, rain, and sometimes I find it's because during the course of the season, the summer season, they may have been stung by fruit fly. You'll probably find if you look at the passion fruit really closely, you may find a little brown spot on them. That's actually where the uh, the fruit flies tried to penetrate, and in some cases it has and laid its eggs inside. So this is often a very big thing that's happening this year. The only other thing that may happen is that the plant, because we've had so much wet weather, that they don't appreciate the wet weather and now we've moved into the colder weather sometimes they will drop as well in some cases the most of the passion fruit will actually hold there until the spring months until our days actually lengthen again and they may mature but in your case obviously as i said they may have been stung or actually affected by the really wet cold weather we thought it might have been the birds we've got wild birds around but there's too many beautiful passion fruit just Mm. dropping off i've picked them but they won't ripen up no of course they won't look something that i could suggest to you lorraine is that if you can if you've just got any liquid fertilizer at home just try mixing that up and popping that around the root area of the passion fruit every couple of weeks that may actually just push a little bit of energy into them and stop this from happening Right, David, we've been giving them sea salt and plenty of mulch, but no, it's just yes. happening. Well, okay. All right. Thank you, David. You're Have welcome. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you very much, Lorraine. Our next caller, let me see, it's Joanne from Bulwara. Hello, Joanne. Oh, hi, David. Hi, Phil. Um, I've got a few problems. Uh, first of all, I've got a Japanese maple. It's about one and a half years, two years old. But about two or three months ago, the leaves started going grey. The, when I trimmed them off, when I trimmed back some of the stems, the rest of the stem would actually die. So now looking at it, the leaves have never turned red. They've actually just gone and died on me. Um, the stems are dying back, so they're quite black. So only really the trunk and the beginning of each stem is still green. So do you think it's dying? Well, look, it, it, it sounds very much like it is. Perhaps it's just had a fungal disease in the root system and this is why it's causing it to die back like that. We can try and save it, but, of course, remembering, too, we're going into winter now, whereas a lot of things mm. in that sort of um, deciduous state are going back to their sleeping mode. So you could try just uh, mixing up a batch of mancozeb uh, or some fungarid uh, in a bucket and then watering or watering can and watering that around the root system. If there is a fungal disease, there, it will certainly get on top of that very, very quickly. Uh, there's no feeding or anything that needs to be done because, as I said, it is going into its sleep mode now for winter time, so that won't help it at all. So I really would suggest that you just get that fungicide down into the soil. Probably one application will be enough for you. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you're not going to notice any signs until we get into the spring whether it's going to come back or not. Yes. All right, I'll do that. Underneath there, I've got a row of azalea. Now, of course, they're in almost total shade at the moment. They've had lace bug, and I remembered listening to you about a month, five weeks ago, um, someone called in with the same problem. So I've sprayed for lace bug, um, but half some of these azaleas look dead. Mm -hmm. Um, Are they going to come... The ones that are, are still covered in leaves that have had the lace bug on them are they going to rejuvenate will they grow new leaves and should i spray it again is it too late to spray it again okay so long as you've sprayed the the azaleas twice i mean that's uh within that 14 day interval so i always try and follow up with that second spray just to make sure when you've Mm -hmm. sprayed just make sure you do get up underneath the foliage because that's actually where the insect is attacking rather than on the top Um, Uh So as long as you've done the two applications, yes, they will reshoot once we get into spring with brand new growth. And in actual fact, if they haven't gone too far back with the lace bug, they should still be producing flowers ready to to flower for springtime. So after they've finished flowering, they will then proceed into leaf growth, which they should do quite happily. Lovely. I've got a camellia that I've had in a big pot for about 10 years. Is it too late to transplant that into a hedge? We've bought a, a whole stack of camellias from you about three years ago. We've put them in, but we left a gap. Um, we're not going to do what we were going to do there now, so we want to close that up. And we thought we could perhaps put this older one in. Will it reshoot and take off at the top and continue to form a hedge, or will it always remain 
quite stunted. No, it would certainly, if you'd put it out into the ground, certainly I'd wait until the flowers are finished on the camellia because then it does go into its growing season. So I guess just when you take it out of the pot, just check the root system that it's not too compacted uh, within the pot and just tease them very lightly. Prepare a spot for them if you can in that get the gap in the hedge just by putting some compost down into the soil. And look, it should shoot away very, very quickly once we oh, um, get into wonderful. the spring. Great. And just one more quickly, I've got some New Guinea patients. They've grown over a metre high. I've never seen anything take off like they did. Is it too late to prune them back? It is, because you'll leave those now until early spring, until you start to see them reshoot for the season, and that's the time to get in and give them a prune back. Lovely. Thank you, David. Appreciate all that. No, that's okay, Joanne. Bye-bye now. Thank you for your questions there, Joanne. 49216216 is our number. As we say hello now to Anne from Bonnells Bay. Hello, Anne. Uh, hello, David. Um, I uh, have a, a an umbrella plant mm. and a Monstera wow. deliciosa. Yes. They're both, both in large pots, and I've, they've been in pots for a long time, and now I would like to put them into the ground. But I've heard various reports <laughs> about their roots. Yes. Um, and um, I thought rather than listen to everybody's I'd like your expert okay. opinion. <laughs> well, unless you're living on an enormous property, acre plus, I would never suggest to put them out into the ground because oh, really? they cause too many problems. Uh, they will go straight for water pipes. Uh, anything that actually uh-huh. uh, is holding water, it will certainly go for that and uh, cause quite a number of problems. Okay, that's, that's both of them you're speaking yes, about. Yes, yes. Okay. Oh, I mean, look, okay. certainly in the olden days, yes, you would see them growing in gardens quite happily and they were quite, quite happily probably in the water pipes as well. So, oh, well, uh, so okay. yes. Well, so, this, do that. so this is why we should keep right away from planting things like that in the garden. I if you can, so. try and find a much bigger pot for them. I will. That's and, what I have to do. Yes, and then that, they would be much happier in those. All right. Thank you, David. Love your show. Always Thank you. listen to you. Thank you, Anne. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Anne. Just a, a quick question on that David if you're putting that sort of thing in a pot do you need to be careful that they don't creep out of the holes in the bottom yeah you know? this is another thing because a lot of people will have them in pots and then yeah. they'll just sit them somewhere on a happens paved, to me with the fig yeah <laughs> on a paved area or even on the grass they'll sit them and then all of a sudden you'll see this really burst of growth <laughs> out of them and you think my goodness I must be doing something right for them but then when of course you go to move the pot perhaps to a different area you find that there's the one little tiny root the there's probably the the thickness of a pin has gone down into the soil. Once it's in the soil, it just expands out of control, and yeah. this is why it um, sends up really lovely growth. Yeah, so you need to be careful. Yes, huh? you do. So okay. in, in other words, we need to, if you've yeah. got them sitting on something mm. like that, just move them every week or so just so you oh, break right the yeah. seal, yeah. yes, okay. of them going into the soil. Right, yeah. Terrific. Okay, uh, Faye from Caves Beach is next. Hello, Faye. Hello, David. Look, I was just wondering, is it too late, first off, to have um, a little trim of some curly leaves on my lemon tree? Will that affect it if I do them now? It seems like it's a bit curly on the new growth up the top? Yeah, well look, certainly in your area it wouldn't hurt if you just trim them lightly. I would normally suggest for most people in the Hunter Valley to leave them now until springtime. Oh, right. But certainly when you're right on the coast you could just trim the, 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 the old, the old the affected leaves off. Yeah, but I'm not, my big concern at the moment is my passion fruit with our, the lacy leaves. Oh, yes. <laughs> we right. don't know what's eating it. Well, there would be a little caterpillar somewhere that has probably been on it, but it will probably be gone now, Faye, because once we, our temperatures get down quite low, a lot of the insects and pests um, start to die away. So, mm-hmm. as I said, it's probably gone, but certainly if you've got any general insecticide there that's got caterpillars listed on the label, you could right. just give it a little bit of a spray with that, and that should get rid of them if they okay. are still there. Okay, and I was just going to say, is it so true that my grafted mango is doing better than my and my non grafted mango I mean do better than my grafted one. I cannot believe this how the one that's 
not grafted the growing. Okay. The other one's stunted. <laughs> well, look, well, in the case of a mango, look, sometimes the only time I ever suggest to buy a grafted one is if you've got really, really poor soil conditions because otherwise, as far as bearing and everything goes, they both bear uh, the same amount of time from when you put them in. But that's unusual that the, um, the non-grafted one is growing better than the grafted oh, one. So. It's growing terrific, believe yes. me. How long will it be before I get fruit on them? Well, look, look certainly with mangoes, you'll find that they will bear very, very quickly, so I wouldn't be surprised if you don't get any flowers this spring and at least some form of fruit for the season. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's better than till when I was thinking, you know, 10 years. No, no, no of course telling. not. No, they, they bear at a very, very quick, a very small age. So. Oh, great. All yeah. right. Thank you very much. Thanks, and I enjoy your show. Oh, thank you. And thank you. Okay. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now. Uh, Beth from Mount Hutton is on the line. Hello, Beth. Yes, good morning, David. Um, just quickly, I would love to have flowers on a Daphne. I have purchased two, and I'm not sure what I'm doing. I must be killing them with kindness, but <laughs> I'm really dying for that flower because oh. I remember smelling the fragrance, and it's just beautiful. Yes. Well, look, Daphne is a very difficult plant to grow, and yet I've heard some people that have got, had them growing in the most harshest conditions. But, look, mm. certainly with Daphne, they, there are two things that are vitally important. They need exceptional drainage, and this is why most people will sometimes grow them in a pot. And secondly, uh-huh. they need more of a semi-shaded position in the garden, so filtered oh. light or just morning sun is very, very good for them. But they're the two main things. Okay. Uh, and the okay. only other thing, Beth, is that you should never over-fertilise them because they are very, very temperamental to fairly strong fertilisers. So just a liquid yeah. fertiliser occasionally, and they're the okay. three main things that they like. Oh, that's fabulous. All right. Okay, then. Well, I might pop around and get a, um, buy and purchase another one and all just, right. yeah, hope for the best. <laughs> yes, all right then. <laughs> all right, thank you for that. Thanks, Beth. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Beth. Uh, to Sawyer's Gully now, and we say hello to Pat. Hello, Pat. Hello, David. Love your show. Thank, thank you very you. much. What can I do for you today? I have... Um, snabbled some beautiful rose tips from my daughter's place mm-hmm. in Victoria and brought them home. I need to know now how, I, how, when, where and why and how I make roses from these rose hips. Okay then, so the rose hips, for those people that don't know what they are, they're the actual seed capsules that are formed straight after the roses have um, have finished and most people would of course cut those off before they even see the rose hips because normally we don't grow them from the rose hips, we grow roses from cuttings. So when you're growing them from the actual seeds or the rose hips, you may end up with anything at all. So you're not actually going to end up with the variety that you've actually got the seeds from. So oh. you may end up with a totally different variety of rose when you get these growing. They probably will be a little more difficult to actually grow from the rose hips because we don't often hear this happening, that you actually grow from the rose hips. As long as the seeds are mature, uh, you'll probably find when you open the rose hip, there may be lots of seeds inside this rose hip, and that's when they're going to be dried out. So you actually dry the rose hip out first, and then it will probably tend to go brown, and that's when all the little seeds will be inside. Oh, wonderful. All right. So What's you'd... the best time of year, and should I put them into seedling trays, okay. I imagine? What's the best time of year? All right. You would leave those probably until springtime, particularly when we're looking at seeds from roses, contrary to what we do normally with roses. So, yes, and you will need to get a seed-raising mixture or a propagation mix and gr- try and grow them in that. And even if you grow them under a glass, so if you grow them in a tray, you can just put a sheet of glass over the top, top of them to create a nice warm spot for them to germinate. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your help. You'll have to let us know how you go, Pat. I I. Certainly will. I'm so excited about the uh, (laughs) bit of adventure. I've struck roses from cutting. Yes. And I have a lovely property out here and I'm trying to make it. Well, see, that's the other thing you could do, Pat. I mean, when uh, your daughter prunes the roses, perhaps she could just bundle some up, just wrap them in tissue or newspaper, wet newspaper, pop them in a plastic bag and send them up to you via mail because that would be a much easier method of actually getting the true varieties of, um, of the roses that she's got. Oh, how wonderful. All right. So much. Can I ask one more question? Certainly. Just one? Uh, my husband accidentally broke off a lovely branch off my frangipani 
what do I do with that? Can well, I plant it again? Well, you can, but you, you'd be best just to throw it on the ground for the moment and then just leave it until late winter and then plant it in the garden because it's going once again into its sleep mode for the winter. So uh-huh. you would just leave it there until spring and then just pop it in. You can pop it straight into the ground wherever you want it to grow and it should strike fairly easily for you. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Pat. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye. Thank you very much, Pat. Um, to Patricia now. Patricia's in Abermain. Hello, Patricia. Hello, David. David, I've bought um, eight large rectangular cement pots. Mm-hmm. They're all about one metre long and 35 centimetres deep, 35 centimetres wide. And they're sitting in pairs between brick pillars. Um, and the idea is um, there's a large concreted area at the back of my house and it went straight onto the grass of the backyard, and I'm trying to delineate between the grass and the concrete. Mm-hmm. Um, this area faces east, so it's shaded from morning, from late in the morning right through. I want to plant something in these pots. I've got a couple of other pots, but they're in a slightly different area. They're the same size pots. And I have Maria in those, and they're growing beautifully. But my family have said, oh, Mum, not more Moraes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to plant something, but I don't want it to be as high as a metre. Mm-hmm. A metre would be absolute top. Okay. I prefer soft and bushy. Um, I don't want anything that's formal and needs to be clipped into shape or anything. Um, uh, uh, Lily Pilly, I think, is a bit diseasey. Mm. Um, tinea, you've got to clip it to get the pretty red leaves, and they, they grow really big if they're given a chance. Gardenias, I'm allergic to the perfume. Right. But amazingly, not the Maria perfume. So um, I just wondered if you had any suggestions. One of my daughters suggested peace lilies, um, and I had seen use the street planting dwarf oleanders, mm-hmm. Um, and I've got a bit of a Mediterranean thing happening here. I've got some ornamental grapevine on a trellis, and I've got uh, rosemary and lemon and olive trees in pots and red geraniums and stuff. So I wondered what your thoughts were about all these pots. Okay. Well, two things came to mind, first of all, when you mentioned that, and, of course, you've struck one of those off my list, which is the gardenias, which would look tremendous in that sort of area, and they would do quite well in that sort of um, aspect. The other one that I thought of was was a moray, but it's not actually the normal moray. It's the, called the minamin, which is the dwarf moray. Now, it very rarely flowers, but it's still got a leaf similar to the normal moray, and it's much more smaller. And it looks really, really lovely. I mean, certainly if you come into the nursery, you'll actually walk by a hedge of the minamins, and that it really is a tremendous little hedge. You don't have to prune it if you don't want to into a hedge shape. You can let it grow naturally, and it will still thicken up quite nicely for you. Yeah, the mini oleanders are great because they'll give you a flower and they only are short and they are very compact. So once again, you don't have to um, prune those very much at all. The other thing that came to mind also was the Nandinas. Now, when I say Nandina, you can get various varieties in the Nandina. You're probably familiar with just the little dwarf Nandina, but you can get other other Nandinas that are slightly taller, uh, that still turn all that brilliant red colour during the winter months, Um, and they there's sometimes you'll see those in garden centres. So, you know, you'd be probably wise to have a look at those because they are quite attractive as well. Now, the other thing that I thought of just very quickly is the Sisanqua camellias. You can get a few of the Sisanqua camellias in a dwarf form, which will take to that position as well. And of course, you'll have nice flowers during the autumn uh, with the Sisanqua camellias. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Mm. And um, I need something that I can buy in bulk pot them in, mm-hmm. um, do you, what do you suggest? Well, look, certainly you can get bulk soil. You can get an organic soil or a garden soil. You could use either one of those in the pots, but I certainly would suggest not to fill the pots up to the top. I would then suggest to buy some compost in bags and then mix that through the soil in the pots as well because that's going to make it a little more suitable for, for pot growing. Okay. Okay, because I need about three bags of potting mix for each pot. Yeah, okay. So it's going to work out quite 
quite I a... I mean, look, um, to be honest with you, so yes. I that, wouldn't get a ute pool yes. from, well, from that, a landscaping place. Yes. But. Well, to be honest with you, normally I would suggest to use potting mixture, but if you didn't want to go to that extreme, as I said, you can use the bulk soil, but you would still need to add some compost through it to yep. boost it up. Yes. Yep. All right, that's okay. fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks, Patricia. Bye. Okay, bye-bye now. Thank you, Patricia. Um, Al from Gwondolins. Next up, David. Hello, Al. Yeah, good morning. Good afternoon. Uh, I have a problem. You there? Yes. I have a problem. Uh, I think I have a problem with a, a water lily. Mm-hmm. I bought one uh, April 2011, brought it home, put it in my bath where I got my goldfish, and uh, it did nothing for about oh, four months. And all of a sudden, I got a few leaves. Then I got fantastic showing of, uh, like, a purpley pink flower. Anyway, oh, I got about 18 of them in this bath. Anyway, then they started to die off, and I was told that's what they do in uh, after the summer. But I, also in the book that I have, it's an old Reader's Digest uh, manual we've had for years, my wife and I, and... Uh, it says you feed the plant. Now, how do you feed a, a, a water lily? Pardon me. How do you feed a water lily when you've got fish in the pond? <laughs> well, look, that's a great point because we don't often have that question asked. Certainly the thing that I normally recommend to people when they're, plant, when they're feeding water lilies, you can buy, buy a plant pill, and it's simply a pill, pill that you push down into the soil around the root system, and that just releases fertiliser within the actual soil and feeds the root system of the water lily. So it's a good, simple way of feeding them. Certainly you wouldn't need to do this, Al, until uh, once we get into the spring months, until the water starts to warm up when you get shoots again. So you just get... You just... Well, I'm not saying you buy it at any nursery, but certainly I know that we keep them and they're just simply called plant pills that you just uh, buy and stick down into the soil. You're at New Lambton, aren't you? Now, we're at Wall's End. Wall's End? Yes. Oh, sorry, right, made yes. a mistake. <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much for that. All right, you're uh, welcome. That, that relieves me because I got so many beautiful flowers last summer. And, of course, you, oh, need to, to you need to feed them every year to try and promote that once again for that season. Oh, well, thank you very much for that. All right, Al, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye Bye-bye. now. Thank you very much, Al. 49216216 is our number. David Peterson is here to uh, answer those very same questions. And we say hello now to Keith from Corlett. Hello, Keith. Hello, David. Um, first of all, I've enjoyed listening to your program this morning as I've driven back from Newcastle up to Corlett. Very good. Most, most informative. Just one simple question for you. Um, passion fruit. Mm-hmm. I have a problem with a uh, no fruit, no flowers and no fruit. I have one, a Nelly Kelly variety, which I put in over 12 months ago, and another one, just an ordinary vine. But I have, no fruit at all, and I'm just wondering what's gone wrong. I've, I've never had any problem in the past, but then I've, I've moved locations. Okay. So it, it's, it's growing successfully? You're getting lots of foliage? The vine looks terrific. Okay. Well, we just need, because uh, Corlett is a fairly sandy area, a lot of the nutrients that you put into that area, of course, leaches out very quickly. Right. But look, one main element that I often suggest to people with uh, lack of fruit is potash. Now, potash can be applied both in a granulated form, right. which you only need to do it once a season, or else you can actually buy the liquid potash, which you can do every couple of weeks. So, I mean, look, certainly you wouldn't need to do that at this time of the year. You'll wait probably until late winter and then just apply the granulated potash and that way that dilutes down and goes down into the soil and feeds the plant for your spring show of flowers. Or and you can actually boost it up again with just some liquid potash, which you can apply every couple of weeks just by diluting it down in a watering can and watering it around the root system as well. So, Keith, that's probably something you need to just keep in mind for when we come up to the springtime. Okay, I shall do that. Thank you very much for the information. My pleasure. Bye bye now. Bye. Thank you, Keith. Four nine two one six two one six is our number. As we say hello now to Isabel. Isabel's in Adamstown. Hello, Isabel. Hello, guys. How are you today? Good, thank you. 
Um, I have two interesting stories. One is um, with some trouble I've had with ants, little black ants. I've got um, Pesca fellow out to look at them and, and spray, and they lovely ants. I was away for two days, and they migrated into my kitchen oh, and um, ended up with um, just a mass of ants all through my drawers, which was terribly exciting. <laughs> um, I believe there's a recipe that you can get um, which involves borax, and I don't know if any of your listeners have that recipe, but apparently it's quite successful in the ants. I'm just not quite sure what the recipe okay. is. Now, I do have the recipe, but I would have to look through my uh, bag of notes, and then I'll probably <laughs> give it to you after the 1 o'clock news. It saves me shuffling through all my paperwork here at the moment, but I know that I do have a recipe for ants. So if you're listening after the 1 o'clock news, I will have that ant recipe for you. Oh, that'd be just wonderful. All yes, right. it was absolute disaster. The other thing is I've got a lemon myrtle that I um, make tea out of, which is just absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. And it's in a, a, a large pot, and I'd probably like to put it in the ground, but I, I do chop it off and, and, and regrow it. Um, with that, um, where I am at Adam Sound Heights, it's, it's very, um, uh, there's not much soil. It's it's quite um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sandstony okay. um, underneath. Um, does the lemon myrtle need um, much soil around it? It doesn't. It's one of the natives. So certainly, as long as you've got well-drained soil, which of course you would have, and you can probably just um, uh, pop some compost in with the soil that you've got there, and I'm sure you'll probably find it would be quite happy in that position. As long as it goes into a nice sunny spot, it would be fine. Oh, excellent. Okay, well, I'll do that. Thank you for your help. You're welcome, and stay tuned for after the 1 o'clock news for me. I will do. Thank okay. you so much. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Isabel. Um, our next caller, Chris from Mayfield. David? Hello, Chris. Hi, how are you, David? Good, thank you. Um, yeah, I've got a question. I bought an orchid uh, probably about two, three years ago. I can't tell you the name of it because there was no name on it when I got it. Mm-hmm. Um and there was two in a pot in the pot, um, and they're um, beautiful orchids when they come out. One's sort of like a purpley reddy colour, but in the centre, the head is like uh, those snapdragons. Oh, okay, yes. And it's got all these little roots that have come out over the dirt. Um, and I'm not sure, am I able to... Um, repot them now or do I have to wait to a certain time to do orchids? Okay. Well, with orchids, they love being restricted and even though you're seeing the roots come out over the top of the pot, that really doesn't matter because the more restricted sometimes you'll find orchids are, the better they respond and the better they flower. So as long as you can still stick your finger down in amongst the bark in within the pot, it's probably not pot-bound, so it really probably doesn't need repotting. But if you do find that you need to repot it, normally that's done just straight after flowering and then you just pop them up into something just slightly larger than what they're already in. Okay, and it's um, is there a certain liquid I can get for feeding the orchids? There certainly uh, is. There's there's actually a Campbell's uh, fertiliser that you can get for orchids. One's for growth and yep. one's for flowers. I think you'll probably find that you're actually still using the flowering one at the moment. And uh, then I, I think put anything on them in three years. Oh, really? Okay. Except blood and bone. <laughs> All right. Well, look, certainly you can still continue to use the blood and bone, but possibly it might be an idea to get some Campbell's orchid fertiliser just yep. for helping promote the spikes and then the growth again. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for your help. You're welcome. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Chris. Yeah, orchids um, starting to be in the the, the top of yes. everybody's mind at the moment. Well, as we're lot, coming up to that time of we are. Year. I mean, once we hit um, once we hit June, you'll find a lot of the cymbidiums starting to appear mm-hmm. in nurseries and garden centres because that's the that's the big time for orchids, particularly for cymbidiums, because I think they're the ones that most people are familiar with because they're the ones with the really long oh, spikes of flowers, gorgeous. and of course they start flowering and then they just flower for months. And most people have them inside whilst they're in flower, and then if you can, of course, you can just pop them. straight 
straight outside after they have finished as and well. And they smell so gorgeous. They too. do, that, they do. Lovely. It's a subtle perfume, it is. But, it's, but it's just beautiful. It makes the house smell lovely. It does. Yeah. And remembering, too, even whilst they're inside in flower, you really don't have to water them a great deal. Is that right? So you only need to just keep them moist. So perhaps once a week, just a bit of water is all that you generally need around them, and that just keeps them going all the way through the winter months. Terrific. What else do we need to be doing at this time of year, David? This uh, time of the year, well, we still, of course, a lot of cleaning up really needs to be done this mm. time of the year because we have a lot of wind, we have a lot of deciduous things which are losing their leaves for this time of the yeah. year. So look, don't forget, we, we don't need to throw away the leaves once they do fall. You can actually just rake them all up, pop them on the garden as a compost because they will break down depending oh, on beautiful the... beautiful yeah, de- I know it is. Yeah. Depending on the size of the leaf, of course, it's de- it depends on how long it's going to take to actually... Uh, break down this particular product but yeah throw them back on the garden even if you cover those in some cow manure or something like that and that way the weight of the cow manure will actually weigh the leaves down and then they'll Uh, decompose and all that of course is going back into the soil again of course we still need to liquid fertilize throughout the winter months so don't stop doing that particularly for those people that have all their seedlings in the garden their vegetable and their flowering seedlings make sure you continue to do that all the way through the winter months and remember Remembering that little trick I gave on Friday, my little quick segment, is that you never stop fertilising the lawn, particularly during the winter months. You still can spray it with sea salt. Now, remembering sea salt is a root stimulant, but in this case, we actually spray it onto the lawn to keep it looking good for all the winter months. So once every three weeks... Take your, your sea salt, pop it into an atomizer and just spray the lawn. You can use it through a watering can if you wish, but make sure you move very, very fast. It only basically needs to um, hit the foliage and that keeps the lawn nice and green. Does that work for all kinds of yep. grass, Dave? Yes, it does. Oh, right. Uh, look, certainly it's not just for one particular grass. You can use that on all types of grass. Now, bearing in mind also, too, while we're on the subject of grass, a lot of people I actually heard from a, a friend of mine last night that he hasn't mown the lawn for six weeks. Well, try Mm. not to do that because during the wintertime, it still does grow to a certain degree. I may, I know it doesn't grow as fast as during the summertime, but by just, uh, by mowing the lawn once every couple of weeks, it keeps it looking nice. It cleans up all the leaves that have fallen as well. And of course that goes into your grass capture. And once again, that um, is good mulch to put back onto the garden. So it just neatens the grass up. So don't um, just stop mowing the lawn for the winter months. Continue to do that all the Should way you just be sun. skimming it, yeah. David? Yeah. Yes, you do. Mm. You're just basically taking the very, very top part of the lawn yeah. off, but not actually scalping it because then you'll end up with having no lawn whatsoever for the winter months, <laughs> but certainly just taking the very, very top part on. And that just keeps it looking nice, as I said, for the rest of the winter months. Uh, uh, are um, lawn grubs a, a problem at this time of year, or is it getting too no. cold? Lawn yeah. grubs are not a problem. And I know that some people even say they've dug up the area and, of course, they can find these curl grubs. And as I've said before, with the curl grubs, they don't really do any damage whatsoever during the winter months because it's too cold for them. So they're for they will just be sleeping or mm. be very, very dormant underneath the ground. So don't um, sort of get excited when you do see these if you tend to dig them up. They will be just dormant. You'll need to start treating those once we get into the warmer months again because, remembering, once the soil warms up, that's when the curl grubs start to become active. And, of course, they're the ones that start nibbling at the root system of things. Yeah. You'll have them in pots as well. But if that is the case, just make sure you um, you treat those during the, um, the summer months uh, with a product and that will actually kill them within the ground. So don't be too worried about them at this time of so the year. So any little mounds and things we see in the lawn likely to be worms? They are. Think? They're only going to be earthworms. And remembering also once we get into earthworms problems where they do send up the, the soil, you can just wash that into the to the ground again. You can move them on if you really want to by just sprinkling them with some garden lime. But certainly probably the best thing is just to leave them alone because now that the, the weather is turning really cold, they will actually settle down for the winter months. Just like mm-hmm. most think pests and diseases, they like settle down. <laughs> they settle down for the winter months and hibernate, and then of course will probably become active once we hit springtime again. Once the soil starts to warm up, right. Okay, so a few things there to keep us going over the uh, the colder months. And uh, as David said, no need to neglect the lawn. No, because, um, continue with a that. nice green lawn oh, through, through winter would be nice, yeah, wouldn't it? Of course, it does. 
Well, David, uh, you were going to look up your recipe for um, ants. I was, yes. Yeah. Oh, you've got something else there I as well. I've got you? something else. I thought it was your, your ant no, recipe. No, no, thank you for reminding me, Phil. I had a big note on my, on my list too <laughs> to look for it. You've uh, uh, got a lot of papers in the, uh, in the briefcase there. Something to do with borax, I think. The, it uh, the it did have, yes, yeah, it does yeah. have borax in it. Mm. So if you just bear with me. Look, let's... Um, I can well, while you're doing that, yeah. David, I'll just remind people coming up at 2 o'clock um, after the news at 2, we're going to take a look at your top 10 favourite BG songs, of course, with the news of the sad passing of Robin uh, Gibb today. And all you need to do, hop onto the Facebook page and you can vote for your top 10 BG songs. And we'll be playing them, the ones that you've picked, after the news at 2 o'clock here on 2NURFM 103.7. And um, the Bee Gees, of course, very important for lots of people's uh, musical lives, uh, particularly people in my generation, I think. That big piece of paper you've got I, says I ants it. on the top I there, David, found so it. that's yes. good. It's yep. got ants in big letters, yes. <laughs> and you've got your glasses on. And I have, right. so I can yep. actually see it clearly now, too. Okay. <laughs> All right. The recipe for the ants is a half a cup of sugar, a cup of water, and that's boiled, uh, and a heaped teaspoon of borax. So that's the mixture for ants. And I think you just put it in little containers and just place that around where you're okay. having trouble. So it's half a cup of sugar, a cup of uh, boiling water, which of course dissolves the sugar and, and also dissolves a heaped teaspoon of borax. So that's, um, uh, yes, ants margarine container, that's, which is another one. You can put beer or wine and white vinegar and beetroot juice. So they're just others that I've written down there as well. So. Uh, uh, right, there'd yeah. be your whole cuisine sort yes, of versions that's of the, right. the <laughs> So that's the ants one. Okay, now and also, something else there. I do, yes. The Orchid Society of Newcastle Incorporated, of course, is having their annual autumn show. That'll be held at Lake Macquarie Shopping Centre at Mount Hutton, and that'll be held between the 23rd and the 26th. Don't forget there'll be people there that will be able to answer all of your questions on orchids. So that's a really worthwhile event to go and see as well. Terrific. Okay, um, back to your calls, if you're okay with that, I'm David. I'm fine with that, Phil, yes. One line, still free, 49216216. Ring up and grab it if you'd like to ask David any questions at all about anything to do with the garden. Tony from Barclay Vale has been holding on for a long time. Thank you, Tony. Hello, Tony. Oh, good morning. Or afternoon, I'd say. <laughs> um, I've got a, a lemon tree and a, a grapefruit tree. Now, during the summer, I had those horrible black um, insects. The stink bugs? Orange. Yes, the stink bugs. That's right, yeah. Well, it was infested. Well, I sprayed them all with um, soap and water, mm -hmm. and it seemed to get rid of the majority of them, but now I notice the trees have gone sort of dying and look really bad. Do you reckon I should prune them right back, or, or, or what would you advise? Well, look, certainly you can prune citrus back. I would certainly not do it at this time of the year because it's a little bit early or late, whatever yeah. end of the scale we like yeah, to look all at the, it. All the leaves sort of curled yes. up. All right. Now, well, certainly you leave it until springtime now, and then you yeah. can prune them back quite heavily if you wanted to prune it back, and yeah. then you'll just feed it up with a citrus fertilizer, Tony, and that will push all that wonderful growth back into it. Yeah. Now, you've had a little bit of citrus leaf miner on it by the sounds of it so you'll yeah. just need to get yourself some pest oil pest oil yeah and that's a very good one for citrus because it covers all different pests and diseases yeah so okay. that's basically all you need to do all right lovely all right all right thank you you're welcome bye-bye bye now thank you very much tony <laughs> i'd like to have a little sip of water thank there david while we connect up the next call 49216216 is the number and we say hello to julie now julie's from yeah. rutherford <coughs> Oh. Sorry, Julie. Hello. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. Um, it's the first time I've ever called a radio station, so uh, persevere with me. Oh, that's all right. Um, I've, uh, I've got a place up at North Haven, mm -hmm. up any Port Macquarie, and yes. I've got some pawpaw trees up there. And I've noticed that all the leaves, every leaf and even the flowers have got like a black, it's not a bug, it's not aphis, it's like actually in the leaf, it's a black dot, mm -hmm. and it's 
actually covered every leaf. All right. Now, look, this, this is quite common, particularly for things like pawpaws, which are a tropical plant. And you'll find it's probably just a fungal disease, particularly with all the wet weather that we've had of late, uh, which does cause this problem. You'll just need to spray those with a product called Mancozeb, and that's basically a fungicide which will prevent that from spreading any further. So you'll just try and mix it up and just spray that all over your pawpaws. I'd certainly do it now uh, if you're up that way again, Julie. And then once we get into spring, it would be wise to look at them then and give them another spray with the Mancozeb. Right. And the other question I'd like to ask, I've only just, I've had them for nearly 12 months. Now, when would they start fruiting? Because they're full of flowers, totally full, um, but the uh, flowers just fall off. And I never, ever see any bees up that way. Okay. Now, the, the reason why the flowers are falling off, I'd say because the fungal disease has got in. Because if they're not, if the flowers are not sprayed with the mancozeb, they will get a fungal disease. They'll just turn black and fall off and shrivel up and fall off. And um, that's why you don't get any fruit. So once you see signs of flower there, it's probably wise to spray them with the mancozeb to prevent them from going black. Beautiful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And you have a fantastic day. Thank you, Julie. Bye-bye Bye. now. Thank you very much, Julie. Um, all lines are free at the wow. moment, David. You, you've solved everybody's problems. You've, I don't think so. You, you've, you're a successful... Talk back garden Couldn't host. possibly, Phil. <laughs> well, it's probably uh, a good opportunity for us then to continue what we were saying about preparing the garden and things we should be doing. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't get on to veggies. Any, yep. Anything we should be doing there? Yeah, well, look, certainly um, you'll find that, um, that it's still uh, plenty of time to get your winter vegetables in. So, I mean, look, it, 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 um, with the only one that I probably would hesitate on would be Brussels sprouts because remembering okay. I said we need to try and get those in fairly early so that they're fairly mature for this time of the year for the Brussels sprouts mm -hmm. to mature. So certainly those people in really cold areas, yes, you can still plant them, but people that are more coastal probably forget about the Brussels sprout. But yes, yeah, certainly every other vegetable, uh, winter vegetable, of course, you can still plant at this time of the year. So yeah, it's still lots and lots of time. And of course, those people that had them in really early may be getting a crop of vegetables already mm. where you can put another crop of your winter vegetables in. So... It okay. never ends. We then go into <laughs> spring and we're going over to our summer vegetables then again. Yeah, I, I had a little, that little dalliance, as, a, as you know, with, with yes. growing uh, herbs and tomatoes this year. But yeah, Oh, uh, you'll do it again next I, year, Phil. Yeah, uh, I'll see. It I, It wasn't as successful oh. as I thought it was. I had a few tomatoes and a few handfuls of herbs, and that, that was all very good. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll have to rethink the summer vegetables, okay. I think, David. We'll talk, we'll talk yeah, later sure we about that. Um, yeah, let's see, 19 minutes past, and uh, we've got Graham from Matcham on the line now. Hello, Graham. Hello, David. Good afternoon. What a beautiful day for the garden. It is, yes. Uh, I'm just moved recently onto a small acreage with a big old garden. Uh, and in the garden, there are two camellias, the sanquas, uh, which I've never seen the colour before. And I'd like to know if I could take cuttings at this time of the year. Well, certainly you take cuttings after flowering because that basically brings us into the spring months and that would be the time to take your cuttings. Now, with Camellia sasanquas, you actually take the previous year's wood, uh, which are much better cuttings rather than the young tip growth that will appear very, right. very soon. Uh, and certainly I would take many of them because Camellia sasanquas aren't one of the easiest to actually strike. Oh, right, okay, so I can give it a light prune at the Yeah, same you can, time. you can, and that way you could take all of those cuttings. You only need cuttings about six inches in length in old terms. Take most of the foliage off and you're just left with a couple of leaves at the very top. And as I said, stick many of those in just to some seed raising mixture or propagation mixture. Look, even to a six inch pot, you'll probably fit a good dozen cuttings just in that little pot. Oh, excellent. That's good, because it's a double purple sort of colour. Okay. I've never seen one before. No, well, that would, might be very interesting then. Well, who knows? There's some interesting things popping up in this old garden. <laughs> <laughs> okay, David, thank All you right. very much. Thanks, Graham. Bye-bye. And let's get right back to your calls on Gardening Talkback as we say hello now to Yvonne from Rutherford. Hello, Yvonne. Hello, how are you today? Good, thank you. It's a beautiful day. It's glorious. Um... Uh, the council planted a tree out the front this morning. Aren't you lucky? Oh, very lucky. <laughs> um, oh, we've got a side street coming down to us from the highway, and it brings all the um, oh, all the smog, all the rubbish from the trucks and so oh, forth yes. into our front room. So we've, uh, we're hoping on the tree, hoping that that saves it. Okay, and do you, do you um, know what the tree is? I've got the, uh, the 
ticket here off the tree. Okay. Uh, Mon, uh, Dawson River Weeper. Oh, lovely. That's going to be a beautiful tree because it'll reach up to around about 15 or 20 feet in height. Oh, good. And it'll, be, it'll weep over just like a weeping willow. So it's one oh, of the lovely. older varieties of bottle brush, so you should have a beautiful show of red brush flowers when it's out. I'm just wondering what, how I should treat it in the meantime. To try and should promote I order it. it each day? <laughs> you want to try and promote it on as quickly as possible <laughs> by the sounds of it. Yes, yes. Uh, so what you'll be basically, I mean, certainly with bottle brushes, they will take wet or dry soils, but in your case, probably it's a good idea to every couple of weeks just give it a little bit of liquid fertiliser, yeah. and that will certainly promote it on a little bit quicker for you. Right. I gave it a jug of water a little while ago. Should I do that each day or something of the sort? No. Well, I mean, as I said, with bottle brushes, they don't mind dry soil, but considering it's only just been planted and it's not got very much root system to find water for itself, it possibly wouldn't hurt every couple of days just to give it a jug of water, yes, just to kick, to get it, get, it, get it moving for you. Right. All right. right. But that's about all. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. All right. Well, good luck with it. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you, Yvonne. Yeah, what a great choice for a, a street yeah, tree. it's a yeah. lovely thing, That'd be yes. Beautiful. Okay, um, Elaine from Lambton joins us now, David. Hello, Elaine. Oh, good afternoon, David. I've struck three roses, and they've been in the pot, I suppose, about eight months. They've got flowers on. When can I plant them? Okay, well, first of all, I would suggest that you're going to be pruning that back once we get into the winter months, uh, so you'll be pruning it back. I would actually leave it until it's until you've pruned it back, and then you could put it into the ground. Prepare your ground up and pop it into the ground, so you've pruned it back, so it's all ready to shoot away for the next season. Oh, great. Okay, good. Thanks ever so much. You're welcome. Thank okay, you. bye-bye. Bye. Thank you very much, Elaine, and thank you, everybody, who was uh, part of today's program. Um, a lot of talk about roses today. I was, well, yes, I was just going to say, Phil, on that note of yep. roses, just li- be listening out because remembering each year that I do give a demonstration of how to prune course, roses in yes. the nursery, so yes. that will be coming up. I may only do one demonstration this year, so I'll make it a very, very big event. So just be listening for, for the next couple of weeks because I haven't set a date, but it will be probably late June that I'll be doing that. So just um, be tuned for that. But it's a very big event because I actually just go through and demonstrate how to prune roses, uh, a simple version of how to prune roses. It's not really difficult remembering. I mean, a lot of people do... I know a lot of people thought. are very nervous yes, about some sort of rocket science. Yes, but you but don't need, you don't need rockets. That... No, it's not oh, difficult, right. Phil. Okay. Uh, as long as you just take note of a few things that I'll mention to you, and then I'll go, just go through the aftercare with you. So as I said, I will be mentioning that within the next couple of weeks when that date will be. But nobody is to approach their roses no, with secateurs no before then. No, no pruning at least <laughs> until July. And that's why I want to do this rose pruning at the end of June so people haven't done it. And then once we get into July, that's the time when we can start to think about pruning our roses. Excellent idea. Okay, David. Well, one final task for today, and that's to choose somebody from amongst this list of uh, callers today for um, to, to be the recipient of these wonderful things that you're giving away. Um, just run through them again. Okay. Ah, oh, this plant cyclamen. Yes. Yeah. It might be uh, the uh, perfume uh, from that you can smell. Uh, yeah. Because it's, it's, they do most very subtle. Yeah. Just a waft every yeah. now and again. They do yeah. have a very slight perfume, contrary to what people think. That they don't. They actually do have a very, particularly the whites. The whites are a little bit stronger in perfume okay. than any of the other colours. Yeah. But that's probably the smell that you can smell. So it's the cyclamen I'm giving away today. Remembering it is a cold climate thing, so it doesn't like to be in a room with heating, and it doesn't like to be over. Watered. So just be very, very careful of that. If you do have a room with heating, particularly at night time, just pop it outside in the cold and you'll find it will respond really well to that. As well as that, I am giving away some other things and that consists of this beautiful, um, or this unusual, or not unusual, but this uh, apron. We'll put it that way. <laughs> it's just a gardening apron which serves as a carry thing as well for all your weeds and everything and then you can just tip it into and the... And it would protect your clothes, of course, of course too. Yes, yeah, but, yes. Yeah. So that's the apron I'm giving away. <laughs> Today, as well as the sea organic, that's the complete fertilizer, and 
the harvest, which is the liquid fertiliser. So I thought I'd go right back to the very beginning today to mm. Anne of Bonald's Bay, who phoned up about the umbrella and the Monsterio oh, Delicio. Yes. Yep. So Anne, all you really need to do to collect this wonderful gift is to come into Walls End Community Nursery. That's, of course, on the corner of Crowdus and Lake Road, Walls End. One condition is try and get in before next Monday's program. Well, David, I think we're probably due to have a lot of gorgeous autumn weather between now and next Monday. We'll look forward to seeing you next Monday for another gardening talkback. Thanks, Phil. I'll see you then, and good gardening, everyone.